It is Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We are about to get into our Bible study time. As always, we're going to have a question from the for the quiz, and we're going to read your text messages this morning. I'm in trouble. I was just distracted reading Lyle's uh, you know, information about planes that he's been writing about on Facebook. Yes, about my Facebook post. Is that just the most amazing thing ever? Just how quickly planes have... Taken off, but I'm um, uh, <laughs> well, like, increased in their flying and weight carrying capacity. You do have an interesting uh, claim here, though, yes. that Cyrus the Great of the Persian yes. army of 550 BC most likely would have beat the Duke of Wellington in uh, what was that? 1815. 1815. 1815. Why? The Battle of Waterloo. Why do you think Cyrus would have beaten? Okay, because now what you've got to take into account is, in in making that claim, is we are assuming that if the Persians were able to travel that far into the future, time travel that far into the future, that they would also learn about and become uh, somewhat immune to the fear factor of the noise created by gunfire. Mm -hmm. So the noise created by gunfire is going to have a massive psychological impact. Put that psychological impact aside because uh, at the Battle of Waterloo when the French and the British fought, both sides had just as much fear factor of the sound of gunfire as... Mm -hmm as the other side. Okay, but the reason that I make that claim is that the mainstay of the Persian army was their archery. Mm. Uh, the Persian bow had a range of about 175 yards. Mm. The mainstay of the British army was musketry. The uh, musketry had an effective range of about 100 yards. Mm. And so the Persians could engage much sooner. Mm. Um, now, the other the other f- contributing factor there is that both armies were about the same size. Mm. But with the Persian army, their rate of fire would be at at least six times higher Mm. than the British army at the Battle of Waterloo. So a bow and arrow is a far more effective weapon than a musket. So at the Battle of Waterloo, the British soldiers would fire two shots of ball and one shot of buckshot. Mm. And from then on, their musket became a spear. Mm. And so, and, and their soldiers were not good, as good at hand-to-hand combat as the Persians. Uh, now you can imagine if the if if the British were advancing onto on the Persian army, the Persian army would be able to engage much sooner, and they would be able to rain arrows for a much longer period. So, higher rate of fire, greater range. People ask, well, why didn't the British use archery rather than musketry? At the Battle of Waterloo, the reason is that it can take up to 12 years to train a good archer, whereas you can train a musketeer in six weeks. Mm. So it's just cheaper and easier to train people in musketry. And that's what signalled the end of of the bow as being dominant on the battlefield for the British. Mm. The the longbow was dominant uh, before musketry just became easier to train people how to use it. So, yes, I have now geeked out on history, I know. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But we have been but the assured. Point, the point is that, you know, you, your Persian army, not only did they have um, a higher rate of fire and a longer range with their weapons, with their projectile weapons than the British army, but they also had much more effective body armour. Mm. Because musketry had sort of eliminated the use of body armour. Body armour had gone out of fashion because it was just heavy and it wouldn't stop a musket ball. But the Persians, once they actually came into hand-to-hand combat range with the British, would have had the advantage of having body armor. Mm. And proper spears rather than a musket with a bayonet on the end of it. That's right. And uh, proper swords, which the British didn't have any of. Yeah. Except for their sergeants. Mm. 
So, you know, I, I think that um, I think that Cyrus the Great could have absolutely smashed the Duke of Wellington uh, at the Battle of Waterloo if he had turned up. And that's our his time machine. conspiracy for the day. And, and you've got a 2,300-year gap mm. between those two armies. I mean, let's face it, the fastest thing on the battlefield for both of those, in fact, the fastest thing on the battlefield, as I make the point, right up until 1914 was a horse. Mm. You know, the, the cavalry was the fastest. Mm. It was as simple as that. There was nothing faster. At the end of the First World War, you got aircraft that are doing, what, 240 kilometres an hour. Mm. That's fast mm-hmm. by anybody's standard. Mm-hmm. You've done 240 kilometres an hour. The, the, it's the, pretty fast. Yeah, the, the uh, you know, you, 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 your stadium's going, disappearing behind you pretty quickly at that mm-hmm. speed. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. Yes. Well, there you go. I think, and the great point there is how fast technology has improved over the last 100 years or so. Yes, because you've got 19 years between the First World War and the Second World War, and I kind of make that point and compare it with, mm. you know, Lancaster Bomber, which is the photo there, and then, uh, and then the Vulcan, mm. uh, which was invented by the same guy who invented the Lancaster Bomber mm. and flew 11 years later mm. and, you know, was an aircraft capable of, you know, a round trip of what was it? 12,000 kilometres or something insane. Amazing. Yeah. Fantastic stuff. Anyways, I guess we need to do the question for the quiz. <laughs> How long had Lazarus been dead when Jesus raised him back to life? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. Miracles and pitfalls, the board game. That is what you can win if you enter the draw. And to enter the draw, you just have to answer questions correctly. Again, that question was, how long had Lazarus been dead when Jesus raised him back to life? 0491 Nine. I guess the other thing that I should mention is the purpose of my post. Yes. The purpose of my post is to subtly illustrate the dramatic increase of knowledge in the last 100 years. Mm. You know, knowledge has just J-curved in the last 100 years. Nobody can deny that, and that's a sign that Jesus is coming back mm. soon. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we sit here as people awaiting Jesus to come back soon, and we've been getting text from our listeners about some of the topics that we've been talking about what 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 you know what have the listeners been saying okay so let's get to listeners text messages and hey if you've got some thoughts on if you've got some thoughts on could cyrus the great have defeated the duke of wellington <laughs> i would love to hear your thoughts mm-hmm. or would the duke of wellington won that won that particular conflict the one thing that the duke of wellington would have had that would have been an advantage that the persians could never have had was artillery mm which enables him to engage at a very long range. Mm -hmm. And so the Persians would have had to very quickly charge in underneath the range of that artillery, so to speak, and get within within bow shot before Mm -hmm. they could actually engage. So they would take some heavy casualties initially, Mm -hmm. but once they got into a range where they could launch their archers, then it would have swung the other direction. But if we, like, speed up time, like a couple hundred years, if we take a jump to, like, you know, the Macedonian phalanx and yes. whatnot. Do, yes. do you feel like then even because they were that was the army that defeated the Persians? Yes. Could they it, have defeated the Duke of Wellington? Yeah. And this is a really interesting one because the uh, the Greek phalanx was heavy infantry mm-hmm. and they would have had to uh, 
once again, close to hand-to-hand combat range. Once they got into hand-to-hand combat range, they would have smashed, smashed the British Army mm. because they're heavily armoured with very long spears. Um, the, you know, it's a little bit more debatable mm. because their army was so small mm. compared to the Duke of Wellington's army. They would mm. have been outnumbered three to one mm. uh, if you take Alexander's army when he invaded uh, Asia. Mm-hmm. So they would have been outnumbered three to one, but those were not odds that ever really bothered Alexander, were they? Mm, so no. there is every possibility that it could have been a very near-run thing. Mm. Um, would have been interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I look. I compared the two, and I decided on Cyrus the Great's over Alexander's because I think that it did have the advantage. But in mm-hmm. later years, the Persians were smashed by the Greeks, no mm-hmm. question. Mm, interesting. Love to hear your thoughts. If there was a time machine and an ancient army was launched to 1815, which ancient army do you think could defeat the Duke of Wellington and why? Mm. Interested also in your thoughts on the increase of knowledge as well. (laughs) All right, let's go to text messages. Oh, I got geeking out on history. All right, let's see here. Bird flu looks like... Uh, country living is the way to go. Yes, it is. Absolutely. If only people listen to God, free-range chickens would resolve most of the problems. Unfortunately, it's all about money. And that's why we have so many, I think, what is it, 19 out of the last 20 pandemics would not have existed in our world if people had simply followed what the Bible says in Leviticus chapter 11. Wow. Just <laughs> eating the right things. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. eating the right things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really, really that simple and so yeah we need to get back to what the bible has to say we're going to get back to our text message in just a moment Uh, i hope you did enjoy that bit on uh history and planes yeah go look at my facebook post you're listening to the breakfast show contact us on 0491-064-669 okay somebody Commenting on the COVID fines, invalid COVID fines. Look like the government has been breaking the law. Good to see the people win this time. Uh, should not the government be fined by the people? I wish. I would like to get a payout <laughs> no. from the gov- government, I'm f- even though I didn't receive any fines. But okay, at this listen. point, I'm going to do... But, oh, by the way, they were uh, the, the, the government did have to pay all court costs. <gasps> wow. Yes. Now that, okay. It's a bit of a win for the people. That's... Because it's like, okay, I got my, like... $2,000 back, but I spent however much on going to court as well, which is potentially more. Oh, that's tough for the government. That's good for people. I know people who got a lot more than $2,000 fine during COVID. I mm. believe you. I'm, I'm really hoping and praying they can uh, get, get off money. on that one. But anyway, mm. uh, witchcraft, religious liberties, question mark, question mark, question mark. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, does the word of God really give religious liberties to witches or for that matter to the Catholic Church for all the atrocities she committed and still commits there is a difference between religious liberties or not being forced to worship God and liberties to kill, destroy and annihilate those who don't believe like you religious liberties today actually means the destruction of real Protestantism which is a must for the whole world to worship the beast True religious liberties is the choice that God gives us not to worship Jesus who died for you. The choice is eternal life or death. The choice is really yours. All other choices are actually satanic. 
Mm. Okay, so this is an interesting one and it needs a little bit of unpacking. So let's, mm. let's unpack this one. Because witchcraft, let, let's first of all look at the, uh, the, the theocracy. Mm-hmm. Under the theocracy, witchcraft was banned. There mm-hmm. was no religious liberty for witches under the theocracy. Mm-hmm. So should we extend that religious liberty to witches today? The answer is yes, mm-hmm. we should. And the reason that the answer is yes is because we don't live under a theocracy. Mm. So here's how it works. We do not extend the liberty for somebody to be a witch and at the same time a member of our church. Mm. If somebody who is a member of our church chooses to become a witch, then we ask them to leave. And if they don't leave, we disfellowship them because it's like you've chosen a different religion. We worship Jesus. You've chosen to worship Satan. That's your freedom. That's your right. Mm. But you can't be a member of our church at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's perfectly reasonable. They have the liberty, they have the freedom to worship as they choose, just not with us. Mm. Now, under the theocracy, what we need to understand is that God's church was God's nation. Mm. And so people around the world had the liberty to be a witch. They just did not have the liberty to be a witch in God's church, Mm. in Israel, which is why under the theocracy the Bible said, no, you can't be here if you are going to be a witch. You need to be put out of the land or, um, or whatever. Okay. So there's the difference between now and then as far as... Because there's some subtle nuances here that we need to take into consideration. The other thing that is brought up here is the issue of kill, destroy, and annihilate. Mm -hmm. And here's where I'm going to comment on this one. Religious liberty deals with the first four commandments, Mm -hmm. not the last six. Mm -hmm. The last six deal with good civil law. That's right. And good civil law says, thou shalt not kill. Killing people according to your religion is still a civil crime. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, so so religious liberty applies to the first part. Now, witchcraft does not kill through physical means. They don't mm. attempt to kill through physical means. They attempt when they do, you know, dark witchcraft attempts to kill through. Uh, and, and I know there's been going to be a lot of probably our listeners who are like, well, I'm into witchcraft and we don't attempt to kill anyone. I'm talking about dark witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Um. I've never I've met a lot of people who are into Wicca, but I've never met anyone who's like, yeah, I'm into dark dark witchcraft. I've never met that person, mm. um, and probably if they were, they wouldn't admit it. Mm-hmm. But dark witchcraft does attempt to kill people, not through physical means, but through spiritual means. Mm-hmm. Now, should there be an attempt? Should you be allowed to do that? No, the Bible says, "Thou shalt not kill." Are you going to be able to make a law against it? No, because it's spiritual, not Mm. physical. So you Mm. can't actually outlaw it. Is it something to be afraid of? Absolutely not, because it's so much easier to defend. Mm. You know, it's it's kind of hard for me to defend somebody who's going to come and beat me up because I'm a bit of a weed. Mm. But it's pretty easy for me to defend against somebody who's going to come after me with uh, black witchcraft because I just need to be covered by the blood of Jesus. Amen. And Mm. anybody can do that. Very easily. The most vulnerable person on the planet can do that, and that's the good news. Okay, so so that's some of the differences and some of the nuances that we need to consider when considering the issue of religious liberty. Yeah. The person also mentioned in the text message, like the Catholic Church killing and destroying, like like, that is religious persecution. Absolutely. The very definition. That isn't freedom of religion. So, So it's, no, we don't give... 
religious freedoms to people who persecute the religions of others. Like, in a physical sense, as you're saying, to kill and destroy. that Because it's still a civil crime, no matter what religion it is. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody texted in and said they loved the history lesson. Glad that you did. <laughs> <laughs> looking at the time and going, wait a minute, we're going to be sidetracked here. Um, when Christmas is at our place, this is from Suzanne, we have a plant-based menu. I'm curious to know the name of the vegan roast with sauce that you had, Lawson. Okay, so I'm not sure of the sauce. I know the roast, it was like the the Veggie Delights one, which you can get from almost any supermarket. Okay. But the sauce that it came, I don't know if it came with the packet itself or my sister made it up. Dude, it was like mouth-watering. It was All like right. cooked the roast, so covered in Lawson's sauce. So sister, if you are listening, mm-hmm. we need this information. We need to get hooked. I'll, I'll give her a call. And Suzanne we'll... needs this information. That's right. Oh, dude, it was it was something else. Okay, let's see here. In regards to the weather story, this is from Sherry. She mm-hmm. says, in regards to the weather story, praise the Lord, Jesus is close. <laughs> Amen. I love that. <laughs> I love the way she wrote it here in the text message. There's just, in regards to the weather story, and then there's a gap. Praise the Lord, Jesus is close. I think the weather one's interesting because I've talked to people before about, you know, you look at the statistics and you see this steep J curve and it's like, oh, it's clear that, that Jesus is coming soon because all of these records are being beaten in an unprecedented sense. And then they're like, oh, no, but that's actually just from man-made climate change. Like, man-made climate change has caused that and you can't claim that the Bible predicted it because it's just man-made climate change. And I'm like, well, man-made climate change is caused by the increase of technology. Yes. On the world. Yes. So either way, it's fulfilling the biblical science. Well, the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that when Jesus comes back, he will destroy those who destroy the world. Mm. So that's man-made. Yep. Simple as that. Mm. Okay. Oh, that's got them coming through now. Not Braden says, not sure if the Persians would beat the Brits. They might not, but they could. Mm-hmm. But one ancient army that I know would beat them was God's army, of God's warriors <laughs> with the angel who went out and killed 185,000 Assyrians in one night. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Yes, we know that that army would win. Mm. Sky says, my brain when Lyle talks about things like Cyrus and reading his reply on post yesterday on Facebook was that that was paragraph after paragraph. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're saying their, their brain was, their mind was blown. Or maybe maybe I just geeked out too much and wrote too much. <laughs> and, and rather than a Facebook post being like two sentences max, like it should be. I Lyle's, like, well, this, Lyle, this is Lyle's this, thesis and, right and here. And then that and then the other. <laughs> if, you, if you compile each one of Lyle's Facebook posts, you could just, you could just turn that into a thesis of but some then, Okay, but then I've got this. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 okay. That's part of the response. So uh, I think, that, I think okay. their brain might be just melting from it. And by this, it's a photo of a dog looking very concerned. So I think, I think that's exactly what it's So this is interesting at. because we get to interpret what's happening here. Mm-hmm. Maybe this person is concerned for me. Mm. Like, why Why is Lyle's brain working this way? Mm-hmm. Maybe they're concerned for the post. Maybe they're concerned that the post... I... Maybe they're concerned for themselves. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, this guy knows too much. You know? <laughs> a very, a- am very I safe? Dog. I don't think it's concern. I think it's mind-blown. Like, what? I think I think nah, I'd like to imply that this person's concerned for Lyle. Like Lyle's got some <laughs> kind of problem going on. All uh, right, uh, we're going to talk concerned. about we're going to talk about purgatory. Oh, nice. Yes, the, the not nice, the, but the place where 
it doesn't people exist. might be, but nowhere and actually is there because that's right. Exist. Yep, it's a myth. Mm-hmm. Okay, Bible study is done. Okay, uh, thank you for joining us, everyone. <laughs> purgatory <laughs> is a myth. Move on. Okay, here's the Bible study on purgatory. I'll give you the whole Bible study on purgatory. The Bible doesn't say anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Uh-huh. We're, we're, we're finished. It's over. The Bible is silent on that subject. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Another question for a quiz. We do. Our final question for the quiz this morning. And before we started our show, Shell was like, yeah, check out this question. It's super funny. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it for you. Aaron and another man held up the arms of Moses during the battle against the Amalekites. What was the name of the other man? Was it her, him, they, or them. Producer Shell's gone all super woke on us this morning. Producer Shell's going to get us cancelled, bro. But again, that number 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Again, our read that one for this week. We will, we will. Miracles and pitfalls. Aaron and another man held up the arms of Moses during the battle against the Amalekites. What was the name of the other man? Was it her, him, they, or them? <laughs> Where did she get these from? That's so classic. And we've had a, a couple of texts come through um, that are, you know, soliciting me to to give them information, divulge information about this grand, amazing vegan roast sauce. Yes. Now, I don't have the recipe on hand, but I will get back to you. I will get in contact with my sister and I'll say, you have world-famous sauce now. Please give us the recipe. Yes. And hopefully she concedes. It might be some kind of secret. We'll we'll see how she goes. Do we have an interview coming up with um, Old Mate from New Zealand before Christmas? Oh, Jeremy Dixon. Tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. We've got Jeremy Dixon tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe we should ask him about some Christmas stuff. Oh, Christmas foods. Yeah. That's, I'm keen. Very keen. That's right. So make sure you're listening tomorrow. That interview will be around 7.45 a.m. Oh, right. Oh. Um, you got a text message? Yes, confirming that uh, the, uh, the the dog picture that we got coming through here is that confirming that my brain is mush. No, no, she's concerned of your well-being and <laughs> so is everyone else. <laughs> okay, let's talk about purgatory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned that the entire Bible study on purgatory can be written down on one blank piece of paper so long as you leave the paper blank. <laughs> That's the whole Bible study on it (laughs) right there. Okay, so some of you are probably wondering what purgatory is because if you don't come from a Roman Catholic background, you're like, okay, what is Lyle and Lawson talking about right now? So for Roman Catholics, uh, they have have various safety nets to make sure that you can get into heaven by hook or by crook, uh, and one of those is purgatory so that if you are good when you die but not good enough, God can torture you for X amount, million or billion years until you are tortured into being good enough. Mm. So if you don't love God enough here on this earth, then if God tortures you long enough, then you will love him enough to go to heaven. Mm. Um, Which is kind of like, I've never really fallen in love with somebody who's tried to torment me. I've never been tortured as such, praise God. May it never happen. But I've certainly had people go after me. Didn't really 
inspire me with love for them. You know, when the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he rebukes and chastens. That's different. That's discipline. Dis- yeah. <laughs> discipline is very different from torture. Those two things are not the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that That's essentially my thoughts, is that, uh, di- like, discipline on this earth, or who the Lord loves, he rebukes and chastens, chastens is for a is for a very 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 temporary period of time um and it's for the sake of the person and it's done in love and it's very clearly done in love and Mm. you can always see that it's done in love Mm. all right let's go to let's look at four verses on purgatory let's Mm. look at four verses not on purgatory Mm -hmm. Four verses that it's that make purgatory impossible. No, let's let's, let's, these nine. let's read these are four verses that prove purgatory exists. <laughs> okay. Ecclesiastes what which chapter are we in? Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter nine. Ecclesiastes chapter nine in in our quest to find the verses that prove purgatory exists. Okay, Ecclesiastes chapter nine. And verse ten. Verse ten, the Bible says, Whatever you do, do well. For when you go into the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Okay. So there's no consciousness in the grave. So how do you have purgatory? Uh, I guess you can't. That's a bit of a problem. Maybe people in purgatory are really, really silly. Okay. Now, one of the key factors with purgatory (laughs) is that if your relative goes to purgatory, Mm. you can shorten their time there. Mm. If you pray for them enough, or if you have prayers said on their behalf, mm. or if you pay money to the church. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound very scammy, does it? No. No, not at all. Um, anyway, so you go to this invisible place that nobody's ever heard of or seen and is not mentioned anywhere in the Bible, uh, but if you pay money, your relative can get out of it. Um, let's go to Ezekiel chapter 18. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. The person who sins is the one who will die. The child will not be punished for the parent's sins, and the parents will not be punished for the child's sins. Righteous people will be rewarded for their righteous behavior, and the wicked people will be punished for their own wickedness. Keep going. Give me uh, verse 21, 22. But if the wicked turn away from all their sins and begin to obey my decrees and do what is just and right, they will surely live and, and not die. All their past sins will be forgotten and they will live because of the righteous things they have done. Okay, so is righteousness transferable between two human beings here on this earth? It doesn't seem like it. No, not at all. Your sin cannot transfer to me, Mm. neither can your righteousness. Mm. So if I'm burning in purgatory, how is your righteousness going to be transferred to me so that I get out of purgatory sooner? Uh, It can't be. Is that... can't be. Mm-hmm. So praying for people in purgatory, you can't do that. Man, proving that purgatory is true from the Bible isn't going the way that I thought it would go. It seems to be going not that the, way. The opposite way. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So when it comes to salvation, uh, let's think about this next thing, this next one. Let's go to First uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. Mm-hmm. First Peter, sorry, First Timothy 2 and verse 5. First Timothy, First Timothy chapter two, chapter and two, verse five. and verse five. Probably, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be to us to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. 
Um, First there is Timothy one, two verse five. Yeah, for there is one God and one mediator. I'm just I'm reciting ah, it off my there. head. You're getting and there. then verse five is um, who paid a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure First Timothy chapter two and verse five. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Jesus Christ. Okay, so this is in relation, obviously, to salvation. Mm. So. I can pray for the Holy Spirit to work on your heart while mm. you're still alive, and the Holy Spirit can respond to that prayer and work on your heart to bring mm. you to Jesus Christ, who then can be your mediator for salvation. Mm. But if somebody's in purgatory, how can you be their mediator? Well, I... because you can't pray for the Holy Spirit to work on their heart because they're in purgatory. So it's not, mm. it's not, you're not asking the Holy Spirit to work on their heart. You're asking God to take them out of purgatory. Mm. You're asking God to remove their sin, but that's there's only, only something one that Jesus can do. Mediator, mm. there's only one thing that God can do, mm. which raises a very large question in my mind, and that question is this: Is there something lacking about God's grace? Was the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross insufficient for our salvation? Mm. Because if you're going to have purgatory, you've kind of got to have um, a lack in, uh, in in the cross. Mm. Okay, Hebrews 9 verse 27, we're going to finish off with this one real quick. Hebrews 9 and verse 27, the Bible says, as I find it here on the page, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Okay, the Bible says that once you're dead, there are no second chances. Mm-hmm. You have a chance every second of every day. You get billions of chances to give your life to Jesus Christ, wow. which end when you die. Mm-hmm. So how can you have another chance in purgatory mm. afterwards? Yeah. It says here, sense. after you die, judgment comes. That's it. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Oh, and now it is time for answers for the quiz. What were the three attributes Jesus gave himself for why no one comes to the Father except through him in John fourteen six? It's because he is the way, the truth, and the life. King Solomon was buried in Jerusalem, the city of David, when he died. Jerusalem was formerly called either Jebus or Salem. How long had Lazarus been dead before before Jesus raised him back to life. That was for four days. And finally, Aaron and another man held up Moses' arms during the Battle of the Amalekites. What was their name? What was the name of the other man? Was it her, him, they, or them? And the answer was her. Spelt like H-U-R, so not H-E-R, but H-U-R. The answer was her. Congratulations to everyone who got questions correct. But, uh, Lyle, as I imagine, you have... You have some text messages, or I got some text messages, and we have question of the day. So why don't we cover these text messages real mm. quick? Uh, Chris says, "Yes, I have often thought about uh, why firearms came into use, given the superior attributes of the bow and arrow, shield and sword versus the limitations of the musket." And this is very interesting because if uh, we we talked about the Persian army of Cyrus the Great, if he had come up against the British when they were using the longbow, he would have been decisively defeated because the British longbow. 
had a much greater range. It had a range of about 380 metres compared to the 175 metres of the Persian recurve bow. Mm. And uh, one of the, of course, the challenge with the longbow was the draw weight between 60 and 90 kilograms. You're somebody who goes to the gym from time to time. You want to try drawing uh, that kind of weight. And this is one of the reasons why the why musketry came in was because when we dig up the bones of archers from the ancient past, you can always tell they're an archer because their bodies are so lopsided mm. and they've become lopsided. You know, they've got much greater bone density and bone mass typically on the right-hand side of their body that has built up over the years and the decades of building up the muscle required to be able to actually draw a bow that will hit with enough force to be able to penetrate armour. Mm. And so, yeah, that was um, so a little bit of history to geek out on right there. Uh, Braden says, sounds like they think God would use Stockholm Syndrome. This is in relationship to uh, purgatory and that he would absolutely not. Mm. Yes, I agree with you, Braden, right there. Um, God's not using Stockholm Syndrome to try and convince people that he loves them by torturing them in purgatory. Okay, so those two text messages came through. I thought they were very much worth commenting on. Also wanted to comment on Jerusalem mm-hmm. and the two former names for Jerusalem. Of course, it was formerly owned by the Jebusites, mm-hmm. therefore it was called Jebus. Before that, it was the realm of Melchizedek, king of Salem, and David just put those two words together, Jebus Shalom. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Jebus Shalom. There you go. Yeah. Well, hey, good job for everyone who got questions cor- correct. Good job for the text messages. But right now, it's time for... Question of the Day. Right, our question of the day comes from Karen. And Karen asks, where were Joseph's bones kept between his death and the Exodus? Okay, so the Bible says in Judges chapter 24, so this is the end of the conquest of Canaan, the Bible says, "...in the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt... They buried in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought off the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And you know, I often wonder about that during the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. They're carrying a box of bones with them, the bones of Joseph, because Joseph had asked, you know, when you go back to the promised land, take my bones back and bury me there. And that would have been a great motivating factor for the Israelites to actually accomplish their mission. We have the bones of Joseph with us. He asked us to do this. We're going to do this. One day it's going to happen and a way of keeping their morale up during that particular time period. Where Joseph's bones were kept in Egypt, the Bible does not say. And so there's basically two theories. One theory is that because Joseph was an Israelite, that when he died, his body, because he was so honoured, would have been given to the Israelites and they would have been in possession of his body that entire time. Mm. The other theory is that because Joseph was uh, essentially Egyptian royalty, he would have been buried in an Egyptian royal tomb, a location that would have been well known to the Israelites, possibly a place of pilgrimage where they remembered, you know, back when they didn't used to be slaves. And that, of course, when the Israelites left Egypt and plundered the Egyptians, that they would have had the opportunity, of course, uh, during that time to be like, oh, we know where Joseph's bones are, let's go get them and let's take them uh, with us to the Promised Land, as he asked us to do all those hundreds of years previously. The simple answer is, we don't know where those bones were kept in Egypt, but those are pretty much your two possibilities. One day, you can find out 
exactly where because you can ask Joseph for yourself and then you will know the well no maybe not Joseph but somebody who collected his bones and don't forget to spend time with Jesus today it will change your life you will become a new and better person and don't forget to talk faith to live faith to act faith and you'll become more like him Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.